This is Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. It is my great pleasure today to have uh, Dr. Andrea Mariani, who is Professor of Gynecologic Oncology at the Mayo Clinic. And today we're going to talk about the subject of sentinel lymph node mapping in select patients with endometrial cancer, and particularly speak about a new prospective study. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, Pedro. So, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about where we stand today with regards to the concept of sentinel lymph node mapping in endometrial cancer? Should it be considered sentinel lymph node mapping the standard of care? Yes, so we have been studying endometrial cancer for a long time, and the lymphadenectomy has been always a matter of controversy. Uh, should we do lymphadenectomy? Should we not do it? And when Sentinel lymph node arrived, it was really the right thing to do. What I asked myself the first time, it was if this works from a diagnostic point of view, that's really the right solution. Because we don't know that if lymphadenectomy is therapeutic or not. And so the main question was, is this working from a diagnostic point of view? And the last recent trial, in, including the FIRES trial, have actually demonstrated that sentinel lymph node works from a diagnostic point of view. As my friend Nadima Burustum says, it's even superior to lymphadenectomy. Because uh, uh, the problem, many times people ask myself, oh, but uh, is uh, a sentinel lymph node, uh, will I actually find all patients with positive nodes? And uh, my answer is, oh, sometimes we even find too much. Now, one of the things, Andrea, that, um, that often comes up is the issue of sentinel lymph node in the setting of high-risk patients. I know that certainly there are many surgeons who feel comfortable doing sentinel lymph node alone in the setting of low-risk patients, but um, what are your thoughts with regards to just doing sentinel lymph node identification without a full pelvic and periodic lymphadenectomy in a patient with a grade 3 endometrial cancer or a papillary serous carcinoma or even a carcinosarcoma? So, uh, apart that uh, there are data from uh, uh, Andy Anderson, actually, uh, your uh, institution, uh, that demonstrate that uh, even in high-risk patients, uh, sentinel lymph node works from a diagnostic point of view. And then people ask me, uh, yes, it's true, uh, all the time about serous endometrial cancer. But if you think about that, the problem is not really the serous endometrial cancer, because most of the time in a patient, with serous endometrial cancer, you do adjuvant therapy anyway. So the main problem are not those patients with serous endometrial cancer, because do you really think that in a patient with serous endometrial cancer and with metastatic disease, a lymphadenectomy with, will improve the outcome of these patients? These are patients with systemic disease. So the problem is not, not really patient with serous. So the problem is not the very high risk and the problem is not the very low risk. There is an intermediate risk group 
in which we can have some discussion about this. And what are your thoughts in that particular intermediate risk group? Uh, where, do, where does Sentinel lymph node actually add a benefit to actually just performing a routine lymphadenectomy? Uh, Sentinel lymph nodes adds a benefit from the point, uh, from the point of view that it allows the same diagnostic accuracy or even more than the full lymphadenectomy. So that's the benefit. There is a small group of patients that is uh, patients with endometrioid grade two and three, deep myometrial evasion, more than 50%. This small group of patients, they account for 8% of the overall population of endometrial cancer patients. And in our Mayo data, we found that isolated paraortic in this small group of patients may be as high as more than 10%. So this is really the only group in which I ask myself, are we missing something? So my answer is, we need to continue to do sentinel lymph node because uh, we cannot just uh, uh, refuse such a great technique for this small group of patients. But certainly we need to have a critical eye on this small group of patients in which it's possible that we may have some isolated paraortic. Well, you bring up a very interesting point and one that often comes up at discussion is if following the sentinel lymph node algorithm and if one were to find positive sentinel pelvic lymph nodes not having done a paraortic lymphadenectomy, how would those patients be managed in your institutions? In other words, if a patient is found to have positive pelvic lymph nodes, should that patient go back for a paraortic lymphadenectomy? Or what, what is your management of those particular patients? Yeah, uh, thank you for this question. And I don't think we have a perfect answer to this. However, usually, uh, usually, I, I approach patients with positive nodes in this way, that if the patient is a very high-risk patient, so a patient, for example, with serous endometrial cancer and positive nodes, these patients, they die because of distant recurrences. So they die because we do not have a systemic disease for a uh, systemic, I'm sorry, systemic treatment for them. This is why they die. So I, I can't imagine that adding a lymphadenectomy in a serous endometrial cancer patient with positive node will improve the outcome because in our series at Mayo Clinic, 66% of the recurrence why they die, they are either hematogenous or peritoninia. However, on the other side, if I have a grade one endometrioid patient with bulky nodes, so they are rare, but usually these are patients that uh, arrive to our attention because they have been bleeding for 
a year and they let an indolent disease grow. These are patients in which I wonder if completing a lymphadenectomy in a reasonably indolent disease less likely to be systemic may potentially help. I don't have the data, but this is what I think. So today at the Mayo Clinic, if you have a patient that has an endometrioid adenocarcinoma that is found to have positive pelvic lymph nodes where you did not perform a periodic lymphadenectomy, what would be the routine recommendation for that patient? So if uh, uh, I have uh, imaging and uh, we do not have uh, enlarged lymph nodes in the paraortic area, I would not suggest to go back and remove them. However, I would ask the radiation oncologist to consider the possibility of irradiating the paraortic area. And then she would receive, in any case, chemotherapy and radiation because of positive nodes. Because the main point is that these patients with positive nodes they are going to re receive, in any case, chemotherapy and radiation because that's the standard of treatment. So the only, to me, the main potential issue is should we give them also uh, like external radiation to the paraortic area? That's uh, probably an unanswered question. And do you follow routinely with additional chemotherapy having completed the pelvic radiation do you routinely recommend additional courses of uh, carboplatinum and paclitaxel? Yes, usually yes. Even if uh, from uh, our Mayo Clinic experience and some other retrospective uh, series, we can see that there is a group of patients with positive nodes. Usually they are patients with grade one, minimal myometrial invasion, no metastasis to the adnexa, etc that are unlikely to recur at distance. And so probably radiation may be enough in these patients. However, I believe that at this moment, the standard of care for all patients with positive nodes is uh, giving radiation and chemotherapy together. Well, taking advantage, obviously, of your experience, um, one of the other questions that often uh, comes up, uh, particularly, again, going back to that high-risk patients, particularly that the serous carcinomas patient, um, having done the sentinel lymph node mapping, are you routinely performing an omentectomy in a patient with a high-grade serous carcinoma? I know that there are some uh, that might suggest that an omentectomy or even an omental biopsy is not necessary in these patients, given the fact that they're going to receive additional chemotherapy. I'd like, I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, we have uh, a retrospective study from Mayo Clinic in which we looked uh, exactly at this problem. And what we found is that uh, unless, uh, so if the omentum looked macros macroscopically negative, the probability of finding microscopic disease, it was still possible, but uh, it was... Uh, probably less than 5% or so. So it was, it's a kind of unusual, it's possible, but it's a kind of unusual uh, to find a positive omentum if you don't see any nodularities there. And also, 
let's assume that uh, you remove the omentum, I would be surprised if uh, the omentectomy in a negative macroscopically omentum would be therapeutic for these patients. Again, we go back to the fact that these patients die of systemic disease. So uh, I can't imagine that a local regional chemotherapy like it is surgery and it is radiation may make a difference in overall survival. So in your practice today, are you routinely removing the omentum in a papillary serous patient? No, we, we do a biopsy of that because we want to document that, uh, that it's negative. However, no, we don't do a full omentectomy. So now I understand that uh, you're in collaboration with several other institutions proposing a prospective uh, study uh, on uh, central lymph node mapping in endometrial cancer. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that trial? Yeah, we are still defining some of the details of that. And so uh, I will be happy to speak about this more in detail, perhaps in the future. But certainly what we can say is the following, that right now we do not have a prospective demonstration that doing just sentinel lymph node has the same outcome as doing a full lymphadenectomy because even the prospective study that we have so far as of today, they have sent in a lymph node and then they completed the lymphadenectomy for demonstrating, like the FIRES trial, for demonstrating that uh, the diagnostic uh, value of sentinel node. So what is missing right now is a prospective trial that uh, in which patient receive just sentinel lymph nodes and are following prospectively. And we are addressing this group of patients. We are fo focusing on patients with intermediate and high risk. So basically we eliminate uh, patients uh, with uh, grade one and two minimal invasion because the probability of positive node is extremely low and we will follow these patients after ha having a sentinel lymph node mapping and removal done. Uh, the overall outcome will be to look at uh, um, the recurrent free survival um, of non-vaginal recurrences. What is the name of this trial? It's called the SELECT trial. The primary investigator is uh, uh, Dr. Nadim Abu Rustum. And uh, together with myself and Dr. David Sibula, we will uh, present this trial at uh, the IGCS meeting in uh, Kyoto and, um, and uh, probably in a few months uh, uh, we will be able to give you more details about that. Okay, great. So um, it's been absolutely a, a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, do you have any closing remarks uh, on this particular topic? Yeah, I think uh, that uh, uh, when Nadim Aburustum brought uh, 
this uh, idea here in the United States of Sentinel nodes, it has been uh, really a disruptive uh, approach to endometrial cancer because it changed and simplified in a certain way our approach. So my message is that Sentinel nodes, from a diagnostic point of view, it works. It works, it works. We have already demonstrated that. The problem that we still don't know exactly what to do is with once we find the positive nodes or micrometastasis, what are we going to do with that? That's the real problem. So the problem is not the diagnostic value of sentinel node. It works. The problem is not false negative. People ask me this all the time. That, that's not the problem. The problem is what are we going to do with uh, micrometastatic disease or ITC? And what are your thoughts as to what we should do currently with micrometastatic uh, disease or ITCs? So uh, the discussion that we have with my friend Nadim all the time is that ITC is a microscopic disease and we do not need to be node-centric. So we can't just say, oh, there is disease in the lymph nodes, now we need to treat these patients. We need to look at the overall characteristics of the tumor. Uh, there are more and more data, even if are still very limited in the literature, that may suggest that ITC in a grade 1 and 2 patients, endometrioid with minimal invasion, we may not need to treat the patient. Again, it's very limited data, but there is the suggestion for that. If you see ITC in a patient with serous endometrial cancer, it's probably different. I say we probably need to treat that in the same way that we were treating peritoneal cytology. If you have a patient with positive peritoneal cytology and it's a grade one minimal invasion, we don't usually treat that patient. However, if you see a patient with peritoneal cytology and serous endometrial cancer, we look at that finding with some suspicion and you start to think about probably I need to give something to this patient. So this is my understanding right now of the ITC. Well, Andrea, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we truly appreciate it. And once again, uh, we thank you. This is uh, Dr. Uh, Pedro Ramirez uh, for the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. Thank you.